The Dr. Chris Griffin Show, Season 1, Episode 23. All good men and women must take responsibility to create legacies that will take the next generation to a level we could only imagine. Now, who said that? Welcome to the Dr. Chris Griffin Show, your resource for leveraging systems and technology to ease your workload, increase productivity, and provide you with the time off you deserve to live the life of your dreams. It's time to practice productivity and the passionate pursuit of a better life with your host, Dr. Chris Griffin. The doctor is in. Well, that quote there, that was from one of my all-time favorite authors, Mr. Jim Rohn. Now, as I'm talking to you, I am actually holding in my hand a very nice hardbound copy of one of my favorite all-time books, Leading an Inspired Life by Mr. Jim Rohn. Now, Jim, if you haven't looked him up, he's an amazing motivational speaker and an author his whole life. His books are very inspiring. I mean, that's a great word to use for his books. They're just very inspiring. Anytime you're down in the dumps or you're thinking maybe that you just can't get along and get to the next step of whatever you're chasing, read one of his books. I'm going to tell you, it's going to help get you there. Uh, a little background on Jim, if you didn't know, you know, he started out, he was born in 1930, but I mean, he started out in the business and he grew and grew until he was very widely acclaimed around the nation. And then he was able to affect change for his legacy by mentoring a young person by the name of Tony Robbins. And Tony Robbins, as many of you know, you know, the tall guy with the big smile. And then he's a motivational speaker also. And he's touched millions and millions of people in his career. And uh, Lord knows who all he's mentored to go forward. So Jim, thanks so much for the work that you put in. Uh, Jim has passed away back in the late 2000s. Uh, but Jim put in tons of work. He motivated and inspired so many people. Just a great shout out to Jim for all the work he did. And we thank you so much for what you did. Uh, he had a great legacy himself. Now, today's show, it's going to be a little bit different than what we're used to, right? It's going to be a, it's going to be pretty unscripted. Now, this is as close as it's going to get to a Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise moment, right? Where I have the, uh, the late night dark moment of the soul where I'm trying to solve some major problems or crisis and I think I've come up with some amazing answers. It is the middle of the night. It is almost midnight when I'm recording this. So, you know, bear with me. I don't know what I'm going to say. It's, it could get crazy out there. I don't even have a lot of good notes. I just have a bunch of notes scribbled down on a couple of pieces of typing paper and I'm going to try to follow along best I can, but I believe I have a lucid train of thought. So, you know, if I don't, Feel free to write the show and tell me, boy, Chris, you really butchered that one the other night. But uh, the other day, we had some doctors into the office, and one of them asked me just, you know, casually over lunch, hey, uh, Chris, what do you think is the biggest problem going on today in dentistry? Because, you know, there's a lot of problems out there. There's a uh, new dentist debt leading to a lot of corporate dentistry, which is leading to a lot of uh, pressure on the margins for private dentists and uh, leading to a lot of the growth, you know, with the corporations like we talk about. And, uh, you know, that's one problem, a problem of finding associates that you can mesh with that, you know, that you enjoy working with so you can have somebody to help share the burden of your practice. Just there's so many things going on in dentistry and, and it would be easy to get down in the dumps if you let yourself. But the question was, what do you think the biggest problem is facing us today? And I was honestly at a loss. I didn't have good words to come back and answer that right then. But if you're listening, Doc, I think I may have your answer, or at least 
I have what I think is part of your answer, at least. It's not one thing, but I think I've come up with seven problems that we're facing today in dentistry, and they're all pretty important, if you ask me. So, uh, you know, I hope, like I said, please, uh, if I say something that offends someone, take it with a grain of salt. Like I said, it's midnight tonight, and uh, I hope that I don't offend anybody, but I'm just going to have to tell it like I think it is, you know? I mean, this is, this is, it's on my heart, and I feel like that I've got to get it off my chest. Uh, we talked about the quote itself, talking about leaving your legacy, and so I'm also thinking a lot about the legacy of the current dentists out there, and all of us who are practicing dentists in the United States right now, or North America, or wherever you're listening of this show. I know we have some some listeners over in the UK and stuff like that. And uh, you know, I'm not trying to say anything about you. I love you guys. So, you know, please thank you and keep listening. But if you're a dentist today, you are going to leave a legacy no matter what it is. It could be a good legacy. It could be a bad legacy. A lot of people are thinking probably it's, you know, leaning toward a bad legacy for most dentists now because some people think these are tough times for us. But, you know, and and there are a lot of good things going on and don't let me belittle those and overlook them. I mean, there are some amazing things. Technology is amazing. Technology is helping our patients get better treatment in some areas than ever before. The education is amazing out there now. I don't know. The CE is, I've myself experienced some amazing courses recently. The best I've ever been a part of. So there are good things and good people out there. But you know, there are a lot of people hurting too. And I don't think the doctor would have posed the question to me if he weren't feeling some vibe of something like that out there. And when I have doctors into my office, honestly, a lot of them have got this sort of deep down internal feeling that, you know, things are just not as good as they used to be. So what is going on? What is the problem? So I've tried to jot down my thoughts and hey, let's just have at it. The first problem I see with our profession right now in dentistry? Well, we talk about heart. I think there's a problem of the heart going on right now. I think that, you know, if you look at sports teams, and I, I know I focus a lot on sports teams, but gee whiz, I think that it's really important. I think team sports especially are just an amazing tool to help you prepare for life. And you see it every day when you see uh, maybe a player for a team who has a lot of talent, but they just don't have their heart in it. And it's just tough to watch. And it's not that you know, that person's not a throwaway person just because right now in this particular part of time, they're not, their heart's not in it like it should be. But maybe there's a way to reach that person where they can change and they can get their heart in it and get their mind in it and get focused at what they're doing. But I'm going to tell you something. There is no way in the world you're ever going to be as successful as you want to be. Whatever you deem that measure to be, to call yourself successful, you're never going to be that as long as you do not have your heart in this game in this profession of ours, in, in, in dentistry. If your heart's not there, there's no way your mind could follow 100%. And if those two things, I don't know how, I just don't know how we function. I know if you are a doctor right now, you have proven that you have a very high mental capacity. Okay? It's just the way it is. That DR in front of your name, they can't take that away from you. That's there forever. That's a measure of respect that you've earned. And you will, you will always have that. But... I see so many people who they, they're just sort of mailing it in, right? They go to the office, they see some patients, they are really complacent about things, they just want to go in, do their job, plug in, unplug at 5 o'clock or whatever time they kick out of there, and they're off, man. They're off to the golf course, they're off to the gym, they're off doing whatever. And now, Lord knows, I'm not opposed to having some fun after work, and I'm not opposed to spending time with your family. All those things are valuable objectives. In fact, the whole purpose of this show, guys, is to help you produce more and be more productive when you're at the practice so you can take more time off 
So you can have those four-day weekends every week. Like, I mean, that's what I have, and that's what I want people to have, right? Uh, And you have to be highly productive to be able to do that. But you cannot be the doctor that just is sort of sleepwalking through the day, and that is never going to work out, okay? So that's problem number one that I see with our profession right now. Uh, and once again, please, like I said, like I'm, I try to be a nice guy as much as humanly possible. I'm not saying this is everybody, but certainly there's a problem out there if people are asking me from different parts of the country, what's the problem, what's the problem, what's the problem? When you hear this enough times, you know it's all across our nation. So I'm just trying to address it the best way that I can. Okay, what's the second problem that I see? Well... Some of us out there, we've got a problem with doing the right thing. Let that sink in for a minute. Now, what is the right thing? I don't know. It depends on what you're talking about. Hopefully, hopefully we're all professional enough, for goodness sake, to do the right thing when it comes to our patients. I'm going to just go ahead and assume we are. I hope we are. But hopefully you're always putting your patient Top of consciousness, doing the right thing toward them, so let's move on to other things. So what are some other things you could be doing the right thing about? Could you be doing the right thing towards your team? Okay, your team's there. They've trusted you enough to put their lives in your hands. If you're a solo owner of a dental practice, you know, you manage a team, they're not getting paid and they're not paying the bills at their house if you are not doing your job to the level that you could be doing it. Okay, you, you, do you think that you're the only person that's important in this world? I, I teach a course. Uh, you know, I say there's four parts to a dental practice. There is the uh, the staff, the patients, the environment, and the doctor. And the doctor is every bit as important as anyone else. Okay, I do teach that. However, there are some doctors out there who think that they are above everybody else in the practice, and they're going to darn sure make sure that you understand that. Okay, well, I cannot tell you how much that attitude is going to kill you over time. There may be short stretches where you can be successful by lording over people, and I have seen that, some real hard-charging, aggressive types. But let me tell you, over time... That's not going to happen. Now, maybe I'm a little bit sentimental because I was just realizing the other day, uh, we're all, I mean, this is almost exactly the anniversary of the first patient that I ever saw. Uh, The first tooth I ever attempted to pull was a lower number 30. Absolutely snapped that dude off at the gum line. You know, it's the first one I'm in there. I've got an oral surgery resident over my shoulder, and he's like, oh, come on, Chris, put some more put some more shoulder into that. Come on, pull pull harder, pull harder. You know, and I'm like thinking, okay, I really don't know how this is supposed to feel, but man, pow, pop. I remember I said, when it popped, I said, uh-oh. <laughs> and the guy, the poor guy, he was a, he was a criminal. He was a, he was a patient who they'd brought in from the Shelby County Correctional Institute there and uh, that we were seeing him over in the teaching area at UT and uh, you know poor old fella he had his eyes closed I guess trying to get through the procedure and uh, and his eyes just popped wide open when I said uh oh and so that's the first and the only time I've ever said uh oh I think out loud uh, when doing a procedure now if I say it it's just inside my brain I don't I don't say it out loud anymore but uh, guys you've got to do the right thing I don't even know. I guess everyone has to choose and decide what the right thing is for them, but you got to decide what that right thing is and you got to do it. You kind of need to live by a code. Everyone's got to have a code. I know I saw that in a movie somewhere probably, right? But I really believe it's true. You have to have a code and hopefully it's a good code, like a code that, you know, is honorable and, um, and you need to live by it and every chance you get, whether you're dealing with patients, whether you're dealing 
with team members, whether you're dealing with other your peers, people in the public, even yourself, you need to do the right thing and live by what you stand for. Okay, if you if you do that, you have a chance. I'm afraid from what I'm hearing around the country, way too many people are probably have fallen fallen out of the habit of living by that code to do the right thing as much as possible. I hate to see it. I hate to see a society where everyone is so focused on themselves. But, you know, I, I, if, I, if I didn't think this could be turned around, I wouldn't be doing this episode, right? I would just let it go by and I wouldn't care. I wouldn't, I wouldn't care what happened. But I really do care. I care about the legacy that we're going to leave. And so that's why I have named that the number two problem. Uh, number three problem. This kind of relates to what I just said. There's a problem with our words meaning something. I think that if you say something... You need to stand behind it. Well, maybe you need to be more careful in the beginning with what you say. Put a little thought into stuff. Run some thoughts through your mind before they slip out of your mouth. But make sure that when you say something, that's the way it gets done. You know, if you tell a patient that you're going to do something, and if it breaks within five years, you will do it, redo it for free, then I think that, that you need to honor that, right? You need to honor it regardless. Now, I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying put that policy in your practice. I'm just saying, whatever you say, you need to start living by it. Uh, I see people try to get out of things they've done. I guess maybe it's the kind of society we live in where it's sort of a legal society where, you know, you can sign a contract or do whatever, and then if you just want out of that contract, well, I'm just not going to do it, you know? And if you've got enough money and you've got good enough lawyers, then, well, I just, I guess I just won't have to abide by these conditions that I've signed up for, right? And that's pretty pervaded society it's just all the way through and through but i'm telling you we've got to be different okay we can i know it sounds silly i mean we're you know as dentists right i'm saying as dentists as a profession i still believe in our profession i still believe that we are held in very high esteem by the general public i mean i know that there was a dip at one time there has been a dip you know even Gordon Christian wrote that famous article nearly 10 years ago now, right, about how, you know, he was worried that, that dentists were, you know, over-diagnosing cosmetic procedures. And, um, you know, hopefully, I think that article may have actually been sort of the low point, and now we've been slowly building back the respect of the general public. And I hope that's the case. And I, I think we absolutely are in a position, though, where we can... We can be sort of that shining light, the shining city on the hill that Ronald Reagan talked about, right? Uh, but if we're going to do that and we're going to be that, then when we say something, it's got to mean something. we got to stand behind it. We have to find a way to stand behind what we say, okay? And that also goes for the office, you know? I've heard stories... I hear stories from all over, right? These dentists come to my practice occasionally to watch me, and uh, we have lunches and discussions. And, you know, one thing that I've seen that really disturbs me is, you know, a dentist will offer some sort of an incentive to a staff person. Now, I don't recommend a lot of incentives, so they didn't get it from me, but they come to me to help them clean it up. You know, they've given some person a ridiculous bonus and now they're upset because they just realized how ridiculous it is, right? But but maybe the staff person went into this with good faith. They've done their job over and above. Now they're supposed to get this huge bonus, maybe a $1,000 check or something crazy like that. And now the dentist is coming to me asking me how he can renege and get out of this and um, my advice for how he can walk this backwards so he can feel good about not giving them the bonus after they've earned it. All right, I've heard this multiple times, okay? So I know it's out there. Well, let me just tell you, I, I would never do that. I've never done that. 
if I've ever promised somebody something and I realized it was ridiculously bad. Now, I'm not saying you have to give them stuff eternally, right? If you set up a bonus that's bad for everybody, it's not eternal. But you need to live up to the terms of what you've said. And and if, uh, if there's a month or a quarter where you've promised a bonus for a certain level of production or whatever it is, you need to honor that, right? I would always honor that. I would probably, I'm really against borrowing money now, but I would probably borrow money to honor my word before that I would squelch, okay, good southern word there, squelch on a debt. I'd call that a debt to somebody if I'd promised them something and I didn't give it to them. And what kind of working environment could you possibly have if you squelched on what you told them that you were going to do? I just don't, that's never going to work, guys. That relationship with that team member is shot forever. I don't even care if they smile and quietly say, that's okay, that's fine, doctor. It's not fine. There's no way it's fine. They're going to get you back. It, it may be subtly. It may be passively, aggressively. It may be by undermining your team chemistry for the rest of the time they're there in the practice, but they're going to get you back. You cannot do that. Okay. And you should have enough pride about yourself to know that it's, it's a bad idea to do that. Okay. Have pride in yourself. Stand by your word. Now, if you want to be careful about giving your word, hey, I'm all for that too. I'm not quick to give my word a lot of times, right? I'm not quick to do it. It aggravates my wife to no end because I'm bad to not want to commit to things real quickly. But once I commit, you better believe I'm going to move heaven and earth to make that happen if it's even humanly possible. So that's the third problem I see. Fourth problem, the problem of inaction. Now, this there's a lot of times when, you know, I believe in action taken. I mean, I believe if you go to a seminar, you should walk out of there with a page full of action items and you should pick three that you're committing to yourself you're going to do, right? We did the uh, we did the episode on the Kanban boards at my office and, uh, you know, I take those seriously and we commit to something on those boards, we're going to do it or there's going to be a major repercussion if we don't. Uh, but I do see a lot of inaction out there. Because of our inaction, we... Uh, we sort of have let ourselves be taken advantage of by the situation. Let's see. Let's say, for example, you know, we should try to get together. I believe we should try to get together as a profession, and we should try to work together to help all of us. Now, we all know we've been under assault by different factions. One of them is always the one I hear is always insurance. Insurance companies seem to be calling the shots. They seem to be the ones that are telling us what they're going to pay us. And they seem to be the ones telling us what kind of treatments they'll cover. And they seem to be the ones that imply to their customers, the people paying for the insurance, that if we don't do what they want to do, that somehow we're practicing outside the, you know, standard set by whatever. I don't even know what words they use, you know, usual and customary and stuff like that. I mean, of course, you know, we know that down coating an all porcelain crown to an all metal crown, base metal crown is uh, ridiculous, but the insurance companies seem to be getting away with just telling everybody, hey, that's what we're going to do. And uh, that's what should be done, right? And I guess patients want to believe it because, well, hey, it's their insurance. So I guess, you know, we've done a poor job of standing together as a group and fighting back. Uh, there is a lot of bickering, a lot of infighting in our profession. I hate to see that. I, you know, I'm not one to want to get into politics at all. And I just want to stay back and do my thing and let you do your thing. But I do think that the problem of it, of inaction has held us back as a profession, and it could be the death knell of everything. If we cannot get our act together and we cannot have solidarity within our own profession, then there's, you know, it's going to be tough. It is really going to be tough. Also, 
inaction, right? Uh, inaction at the dental office. That will kill you too. Uh, we see how many times have you, well, there's going to give you a couple of examples. How many times have you gone to a seminar and you saw an amazing new thing that you knew sh- you should do for your practice? Well, I'll just use the Kanban board again for an example. I mean, there's no doubt that thing is dirt cheap. Five bucks, you got it on the wall, you know that stuff's going to get done once it gets on that board, right? It gets done, it gets delegated, it's going to get done as long as you monitor it. But, uh, you know, most people say, wow, that's a great idea, but I don't think I'm going to spend the five bucks and I just don't think I'm going to do it. Uh, you know, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know how this is going to work. You know, maybe the sticky notes fall off in the floor. I just don't know. There could be challenges. <clears throat> well, I mean, of course, now one of the things I teach you uh, when we're teaching this in my office is, you know, I know it's crazy, but there is a proper way to peel a sticky note from a stack of sticky notes. You know, you do it from the side and leave it and it leaves it real nice and flat. If you peel it from the bottom, it curls up and those sticky notes can fall off. It is a little bit aggravating. I know it's crazy, but you know, a flat sticky note leads to a, a cleaner looking Kanban board and that leads to more uh, simple productivity. But uh, I, I digress. But I, I'm telling you, a lot of dentists out there are bad at not taking action uh, when they know they should. Or what about when you're in the office and you see a staff person breaking one of your rules, one of your standards or uh, SOPs, and they, you know, they're just, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Do you take the bull by the horns and do you address it immediately? Or do you just sort of be quiet and let it fester? You know, I'm telling you, nothing in the office that festers is ever going to turn out good. And I can tell you, if, if somebody gets by with something they're not supposed to get by with, they're going to keep doing it over and over and over. Next thing you know, it's going to be a huge problem. Fifth problem I see, short-sightedness. This hits home to me too, just as much as anybody else. But I think that from what I've seen and people coming into my office, we all want instant gratification way too much way too much we're not willing to pay the price we're just we're not it's just i you know i cringe when i think about our grandfathers fighting world war ii are you kidding me and then here i am not willing to take a few minor steps work a few extra hours at night to get a new thing implemented that's going to make everybody's life better mine my team my patients everybody even the family and of course i'm too lazy to do it i mean i'm i'm embarrassed i'm ashamed I know that I've got a problem and I'm always working to try to correct it, right? It's really, in my opinion, this is a disease that's not only in dentistry in America, this has swept the globe, okay? If you look at Europe, they're ahead of us. They've they've been short-sighted way longer than us and now it's catching up with them. If you've seen all the turmoil over there, it's ridiculous, but it's come over here in America, it's in our general society, and now it's in our profession too. And, you know, I'm hoping, but at some point we're going to hit bottom and we're going to bounce, start bouncing back up. It's got to happen. You know, things run in cycles. Uh, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, it's embarrassing when I think about the sacrifices that my grandparents made. And now me and my generation and my kids' generation, I worry so much about. Uh, but I am embarrassed about the me, me, me attitude and the short-sightedness of my particular generation especially. And really, I'm embarrassed of myself a lot of times. I'm embarrassed that I am short-sighted and lazy and I, you know, do not really put in the effort that I should put in. And let's see, that was five. Then the sixth problem I jotted down, it actually goes with what I just said. The problem of being unwilling to put in the work required to build and maintain something really special. Everybody knows it takes work to get something special done. 
or it should make sense to everybody. Uh, and we put in work. If, if you're a dentist, you put in work. I know you did. You went to dental school. You were promised a lot. Uh, you got out. You, you really sacrificed a lot while you're there. I'm not sure the general public understands what we sacrificed to become doctors. I don't think the general public really understands what we went through. Uh, you know, and they probably think when we charge a thousand dollars for a procedure that we're putting a thousand dollars in our back pocket. They don't understand about overhead, staff cost, lab fees. They don't understand all that stuff. But we still are in a great profession, and we are in an amazing position where we can effect change with so many people. We know we say a daily prayer every day before work at our morning huddle, and part of the prayer I say every time because I think it's worth saying is I'm just grateful for the opportunity to help people, and also to earn a living for our families. Those are two things. In this profession, uh, you still have that opportunity. You can still do that. We're still independent enough that you can do that. And um, I'm calling out myself just as much as anybody else, and really more so on this stuff, because I have to do better. I have to be willing to put in more work to get the desired result, okay? There is a certain amount of work that's required, and I have to be willing to put that in. One thing that I think that we don't spend enough time working on and putting in the work, I think that dentistry especially lends itself to being a relationship profession, okay? So I think relationship building between us and the patients, us and our team, us and our peers, okay? I mean, a lot of dentists, they really struggle getting along. I see that across the nation. It shouldn't be that way. We have to find way, we have to find a way to spend the time to build the relationships with each other so we can stand together and fight off all these bad things that are always pounding on us, right? Spend the time to build that team. You know, spend the time to make the patient feel really like you're their friend and advisor. All these things take work, and we I really think this is something we can fix, but right now there's a problem of being unwilling to put in that work. And the seventh problem that I see, and this is also one I'm staring right at myself as I say this, there's a problem of selfishness, okay? Now, out there, we want, I'm telling you, I've seen this, we want what we want, and we want it now, buddy. Uh, and that is uh, that is prevalent uh, in society, especially just all society. It's also in our profession. I wish that we were humble enough to see the big picture and know, you know, if we just keep our head down, we do the right thing, we stand by our words, what could be done in five years, 10 years? What's going to be there for the next generation? I just think that there is a problem of not being humble enough, not only in the country, but also in our profession. And if we can solve that problem, there's no telling what we can do. We can absolutely bring back the best of everything. You know, you hear about the golden years and all that. But I'm telling you, especially with technology where it is, if we can get our act right and our attitude right, there is no telling what we could do. But we have to solve this huge problem of unselfishness. If we do not solve it, we will be following the path of our brothers, the physicians, the pharmacists, the optometrists, you know. Do you want to see dental offices just set up in Walmarts everywhere? I mean, is that what you want? Uh, do you want us to just be run by big Delta Dental Clinics and just a handful of big corporations? I mean, is that what you want? If we do not change, that's what's going to be. So... Please take that to heart. So those are the seven problems that I see. And I hope if you're listening, Doc, the one that I hate, I'm going to say your name out loud, but if you're listening, I hope that answered your question because that's really and truly what I honestly believe. Now, I hate to give you all these problems and not give you some solutions, right? That would not be an honorable way 
to do a podcast. So the question then that I would just ask myself would be, what can we do to turn the tide? That question cannot be completely answered by me because I can't answer it for everyone. You have to really answer it for yourselves. But if I were the one that you were asking to lay out a roadmap for this profession, there's here's what I would say. And I would just, here's three things off the top of my head. And I think these would solve a lot of problems. Okay, number one, let's, let's call them rules, okay? So the first rule is going to be become the warrior leader. Now, I know that sounds, maybe it sounds a little corny to you, but if you think back in all the centuries prior to this one, probably before the 1700s, something like that, all the way back as far as you, as far as we know, history, I mean, we don't know, we weren't there, but from the accounts that we've read, most of the time, you know, in movies, you see this all the time, like Braveheart, think of Braveheart. You got people getting ready to go to battle. Well, the most successful, uh, the most successful warriors were usually led right there by their king. I mean, their king is out there in the front of the pack, right? The king's charging on the, the white steed with the sword raised high. You know, that is the way that you, that we, if we could begin to think that way and instead of you know sniveling and cowering behind everything else and just staying in the back of the office and and just blaming our problems on everyone else if we could always take it upon ourselves to lead our team into battle every time there's a tough situation and lead by example can you imagine the type of loyalty that you could develop with your team if you took it upon yourself to do the hard stuff and every time there's a tough situation if you met that head on and you did what you said you were going to do, you absolutely could be that warrior king leader that everyone looks up to, and that's who people want to follow. People want to follow somebody. I mean, that's just built into human nature. And in your office, you are the de facto leader. I mean, the only way you're not the leader is if you let somebody usurp your authority. And hey, a lot of offices, I see that. There's you, there's sometimes an office manager or somebody like that who usurps the authority of the dentist. Guess what? They're the de facto leader, but they cannot be as effective as you are. They can't be. They don't write the checks. They don't own the practice. All they're doing is filling a void because you have lacked the leadership to really lead this place, okay? If you can take that back right now, if you know that you're not being the leader you need to be, take that back. You become that leader. You become the person people want to look towards and follow. We've got to be willing to lead from the front, not criticize from the back and i see that way too much too when we're just we like to stand back and make smart aleck comments and criticize people but we're not willing to go out and take the arrows and, and lead the charge like we should be okay that's the first rule second rule okay i'm gonna call this the servant rule this one comes all the way from the bible <laughs> if you're not willing to serve everybody then you're really not deserving to get any of the stuff that you want first off we all know you got to serve your patients that's number one. But let's talk about other stuff. You need to be able to serve your team. How could you serve your team? You can serve your team not only, well, hey, it's leading them as a service, but also how about if you're the guy that's always willing to do the dirty work, all the hard stuff. You know, I don't like to ask anyone in my staff to do anything I wouldn't be willing to do. You know, I've done, I guess, everything you can do in the office, the nastiest stuff. Of course, I get to do the cool stuff too. But anytime there's something hard, I like to get in there and do it first so that I show them, look, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to do this. I'm absolutely not too good to do this job that I'm asking you to do. You'd be amazed the kind of loyalty 
that you can build with your staff if you're willing to do that. And I think that if you can learn to be a servant, that opens up so many doors and that will let you become the leader that you need to be. Also, don't forget about about our profession. We need to learn to serve our profession. I know so many of us have become jaded over time because we don't feel like our organizations are doing anything for us. We just feel like it's a bill you pay every year, right? Um, and it's sometimes, in some cases, it really kind of is because maybe the organizations aren't doing what they're supposed to do, right? They're not really leading like they should. But if we will be more humble and get that servant-like attitude toward everything, even our profession— you know, don't feel like you need to run, go in there and run the show. You just want to serve. You just want to help people. Be willing to start at the lowest levels and work your way up. I'm telling you, that's that's the way. Talk about a five-year plan. That's the way that we bring this profession back to where it needs to be. And don't forget about your family. I'll, I always believe that we should put patience, the team, the profession, and our family ahead of ourselves. Uh, I just think that, you know, there's nothing wrong with going last. If you do that, ironically, there'll be so much good stuff left over at the end of it. Once you're through doing all that stuff, man, you got a pretty good life waiting for you. You really do. It's an amazing life we can build for ourselves, especially in this profession. And the third rule, I'm going to call this the Ronald Reagan rule. Uh, you know, Ronald Reagan uh, famously said, never speak ill of another Republican. Well, I think that part of the beginning of serving our profession is we should never speak ill of other dentists. Now, you know, I know there's all kind of crazy legal issues. If a patient comes into your office and, uh, you know, ask your opinion about some work, I mean, I know there's different things you're supposed to say or not say. I'm not a lawyer, not pretend to be a lawyer. Obviously, you could tell that. <laughs> you know, I'm not telling you what to do, what not to do. But I'm telling you, any opportunity you have, you should always stand behind your profession and try not to ever speak ill of other dentists. And, you know, it's not just with patients uh, when dentists are around each other. Sometimes it's like high school. You gang up and everybody talks bad about one guy down the street. And there's ways to do things that don't involve pettiness. We've got to have solidarity if we're going to move forward. And I, I feel very strongly about this. If you've got a problem with another dentist privately, man, you speak as freely to him as you want to. You know, I'm not big on using curse words, but do whatever you got to do in private. But publicly, you need to stand together. If you could privately hash things out, but then get on the same page somehow and publicly stand together, that's being all these other things we talked about. The servant leader and also going back to the warrior leader. Those are my three rules. Uh, I've, I've, I've answered the question the doctor had, the seven problems. Well, he said, what is the biggest problem? I gave you seven. I'm giving you three rules that I think if we follow, it goes a long way to solving those seven problems. Hopefully, I didn't ramble along too long today. Uh, it's getting really late. I know, like I said, this is the Jerry Maguire moment, but, uh, and I hope you got something out of this. You know, I would love to hear some feedback. I'd love to hear your opinion of what I said. You know, if it's good, bad, terrible, let me know, you know, and we're really close. Next week is the last episode of this season that I'm taking a few months off going to the beach, going fishing, um, headed off to Orlando with the family, doing all kind of cool stuff. We'll not be thinking about this show. Uh, but then we're going to come back strong in the fall. We've got a lot of good ideas from people lined up already, and we're already getting ready to to tape some interviews and, and line up all that stuff. So, like I said, let me know what you think, guys. This was just straight from the hip, straight from the heart, and um, hopefully I made some sense, and we reached somewhat of a consensus where we can all, maybe as one big professional family, right the ship and move forward. Okay? Well, I'm so glad you listened tonight.
and I will see you next time. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Dr. Chris Griffin Show. Be sure to visit drchrisgriffin.com for the latest resources and updates to keep you more productive every single day you're at the practice. So when you're not working, you can do the things that matter most in life. We look forward to having you join us for another episode of The Chris Griffin Show, where the doctor is always in.